All right, welcome everybody to the first episode of Talking Gulf Coast Hoops. I'm your host, Ben Blake, and I'm excited to get to cover Commodore basketball with all of you. We have a very special guest on our very first episode, head coach of the women's team, Rory Kuhn. Rory, thank you so much for joining us today. I couldn't pick a place I'd rather be right now than with Ben, the media guy, with all the coverage you gave us. So happy to do the podcast, happy to be here. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. First of all, you're coming off a huge win against Tallahassee on Wednesday. What were your overall takeaways on the team's performance from that game? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I thought we played really, really good. I got the stat sheet in front of you, but I think we hit like 10 threes. So obviously, that was huge. You know, when the, I was telling them when the ball goes in, hey, you know, you're knocking down threes and you play defense and you rebound like that, you know, we're going to be pretty darn good. So we were tough to beat that night. So, yeah, very happy with the way we played for sure. Yeah. The team has kind of looked really dominant since that loss to Chipola. Do you think that a tough loss like that really fired them up? I don't know how much that fired them up. I definitely fired them up. I know we were mad we lost, you know, five on three. But I think it was kind of more like uh, we were rallying around Issy, you know. It's the fact that she blew her knee out, tore ACL. She's done for the year. So, you know, we all know we got to step up in whatever way that we can. That's everybody individually. You know, we're down to eight players, so everybody needs to give a little bit more and a little more rebounds, a little bit better defensively, a couple more points. And if we do that, you know, we're pretty good. Well, you know, the skill on the team is unquestioned. We all know we have some of the best players in the country, but depth is something that could be concerning. So do you think when you're down to eight players, looking at maybe a deep playoff run, that's something you're concerned about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if you pop your head in in my practices, you see it's a lot of, you know, more just maintenance at this point of the year, you know, some 5 on oh stuff and just, you know, not so much competing going heavy because you just can't afford another injury, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely depth down the road. But, you know, if you got a good eight, you know, and they stay in shape and you know, they stay out of foul trouble, I mean, you know, I think our eight is as good as anybody in the country when we're – clicking on all cylinders you know so it's a little bit of concern from the coaching you know brain but at the same time it's like I, we could we could play with anybody with r8 you know what i mean how tough is that to figure out rotations when you only have three players coming off the bench is it tougher to keep them in good shape throughout the whole game yeah the rotations honestly for me now become easier right i got one yeah. less player to worry about they have to be ready mentally get their minds right because you know it's so easy like a, okay Issy, you're gonna be out there let's keep you out there you know you're probably the best player in the entire country you're averaging 18 points and 14 rebounds a game. So that was a nice luxury to have out there. But yeah. you, know, you got to kind of look and see how the game is. Our team's playing a small. Do they have more of a post presence? You know, do I put Clara in more? Maybe Gabby go smaller with four guards, Santi and Tyron. You know, yeah. things you just got to kind of see how the game goes. Clara and Gabby have both had a pretty good game since Issy's injury. But somebody who's really stepped up or stepped up her game is Alicia Murray. She's had two really big games since Paula lost. Are you making it a point to get her the ball? You know, it's just, I think it's one of those things collectively, like I said, like everybody knows they got to step up, and she knows she's got the ability to take over a game, and she showed it in the last two. So I'm not making it an extra point to get her the ball, but when I see she gets going, then I try to get her the ball. But it, it's just a thing where it's kind of like, okay, you know, you lose your best player. Let's see what happens. See who steps up. And yeah. she, obviously, to your point, you know, hey, she started to emerge. So, you know, now I'm thinking, hey, okay, you know, keep doing what you're doing, you know, man maybe run a couple more sets for you, you know, get you the ball here or there, especially when you're going. But yeah, no, she's been great. Since this step went out, she's stepped up huge. Yeah, for sure. One thing that's also stood out to me throughout the season is how good the team is in the third quarter. Do you think your halftime speeches and motivation is part of the reason the team comes out so hot out of uh, the break? I think it must be, Ben. You know, I, 
think you're 100. percent My my speeches are uh, very motivational. You know, they make you want to run through a brick wall. But I, I don't really know to be honest with you. You know, I, I make adjustments at halftime, but you know, it's like, hey, they got to go out there and they got to do it. But to your point, yeah, we have had some really monster third quarters where we've kind of just put teams away, or if we were down, we came out and just went on fire. You know, I think I think the Northwest game we went on like a 20 something. Yeah. To, to five run or something like that. I don't even know a couple times. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, hey, it is what it is. I think they know, too, if they play a little bit down or they're like, okay, hey, we could have been better, and then I let them know it, you know, in, with whatever tone I want to deliver the message at halftime. You know, they figure out, like, hey, okay, it's time to play. I'd like to get into you individually. You used to be an assistant coach for St. John's. Do you think that D1 experience has impacted your coaching style at the junior college level? Yeah, you know, I think, like, no matter where you go, like, you take you take where you've been and what you've learned. You know, even when I coached high school, yeah. you know, um, and having a dumbed-down approach, approach to some things. Like, I even still do some of the same stuff when I coached at high school, you know, working with people uh, that I do now in college. Um, and everybody sh- sure loves all the Division One, and, you know, it's great and all that. But it's so funny because a lot of people don't understand is – while there's similarities to it, there's not a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. Take a look at my staff, right? I have a volunteer assistant coach. Division one, you got three assistant coaches, you got yeah. an ops guy, you got a video guy, you got about ten managers running around, all to do drills, passing. You know, you don't have that luxury here. The level of basketball, sure. You take away some drills, you take away some defensive schemes, stuff like that. So I mean, I think the experience definitely helped, but I think experience being an assistant coach at Northwest Florida, coaching on the men's side as a junior college assistant for four years in this conference. Yeah is really the best thing to prepare me, you know, being coach, being a coach now at this level because it's junior college at the end of the day. And you got to know you're dealing with a certain type of kid. You know, it's a different type of environment. And, you know, I think our success there, obviously we were good, won a national championship. It kind of kind of helps at this level. But no question the Division One experience helps as well. But anywhere you go, if you're a coach and you're a student at a game and you really want to learn, you, you can f- find something and pull it anywhere and apply it to, to what you're doing, you know. Yeah. What are like some of the biggest differences in recruiting versus like D1 versus here? Oh, that's uh, strictly money. Yeah. You know, when you go on the road, Division One, you know, all right, when I'm hopping on a flight, okay, I got my hotel, you know, lined up. Then when you go to the tournament and it's like a million kids running around, you know, it's got like 80 basketball courts. And you know about that, right? Yeah. You, you work some clocks somewhere, you know, so you'll see this different courts running. And, uh, you know, then you pay for the book find out who the kids are and what they are, you know, and the book's like $800, yeah. you know, just for the weekend. So, I mean, I think just the money piece, like, but what has come in handy is, you know, the Division One connections that I have of people I've established relationships with to say, hey, you might want to look at this kid for your level, you know. Hey, I know, like, the kid's close to D1, but maybe they'd be good down for you at JUCO. Or this kid's leaving such and such a program, you know, leaving, like, you know, Taron Johnson who left Houston, you know, I sent the player to Houston, and the next thing, you know, hey, I got to get rid of this kid. You know, they're going to be out there looking for a spot. Maybe she should go to you, pick up the phone. Yeah. And they know me. So the biggest thing is definitely the money, and just but the connections that you make at the Division One level have paid off for me recruiting junior college wise. Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine you got to be a little more scrappy as a recruiter down at the junior college level because you kind of got to find like the diamonds in the rough, kind of. Because the D one, you probably have that more opportunity to get the best of the bunch. Yeah. Do you think you have a knack for finding talent that other people have overlooked? 
Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm doing something right. Yeah. Uh, you know, shoot, we were number one in the country, you know, this year, number one in the country last year. But part of that, what you just said, finding that talent is also based through relationships of people that I know and know that, hey, we run a good program. You know, I've coached at a high level. They know I can develop kids, get them off to the next spot. That's a better level. For, but yeah, you have to, there's no question you got to find diamonds in the rough, which has led me to a lot of my overseas connections. You know, and I've, I've pulled a lot of kids from overseas, you know, from yeah. like Canadians, Brazil, Australia, since I've been here, England. Um, so, you know, I, I go where the players are. You got to get them. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I think my eye for talent has been helped out by the Division One, like you said, being there and seeing a whole bunch. You just have access to more kids because you see so many of them yeah. when you go on the road and you go to those big tournaments. So. About half the team is from Canada. Do you think New York roots, you know, being from there and having coached at St. John's, do you think that has impacted your ability to recruit up north? Yeah, I'd say 100% because it's funny, actually. People that I deal with the most, that I got most of the Canadians here, you know, got Aaliyah, got Alicia. I met him when I was at St. John's. Yeah. And, you know, I treated his kids right when I brought him on campus at St. John's. And, you know, he, he never got a player to me while I, while I was at St. John's, but he said, hey, this guy's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. You know, treats the kids right, treats the programs right. Sure enough, I got Lee and Alicia. They do. They love it here. Obviously, what's not to love? They're both getting a ton of exposure, playing really, really well. They have two friends in Canada, pretty good. They tell them, okay, this is great. They come down, and the fifth one, Gabby. You know, hey, that just happened. Came out of nowhere. I'm like, ah, right, let's get a fifth Canadian. You know, but no, definitely being up in New York, knowing those people there, and being closer to Canada, definitely helps the relationship for sure. What do you think in particular led you to coaching women's basketball instead of men's? Because you are a man. I'm, I was just kind of wondering, you know, was there something like particular that led you to women instead of, you know? Well, well a- as you know, like I said, I was an assistant at Northwest Florida, right? So that was 2014 to 2017, 18. One of the big differences between junior college and Division One is the level of pay. Yeah. So randomly when the job came available for St. John's, they approached me. I didn't approach them. I didn't think it was coming. You know, it just came out of the blue. And, you know, I'm from New York. Clearly, you can tell by my accent. Um, So when they were like, hey, we would like to pay you this amount of money uh, to come up here and coach women, would you be interested? I said, I'll be on the next flight. You know, no big big deal. You know, just Division One money to junior college money wasn't even close. So it wasn't something I was expecting. But, you know, I said, I can't take, you know, pass this up. My whole family was up there. Chance to be back in New York, you know, Queens, you know, make some money, some good money, and, uh, you know, put it away. And, you know, now that's led me down here to, to the head coaching job here. So, yeah, I mean, it's all worked out. I got no problems with it. To me, basketball is basketball at yeah. the end of the day. Men, women, doesn't matter. The ball's orange, it's round, it bounces, the goals are 10 feet. You got to coach. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I coach, you know, the women the same way I coach my guys when I was, you know, at Northwest Florida and, and at the high school days. Okay. So you don't change, like, the coaching style at all yeah, I don't you, yeah you just, I keep it the same yeah, yeah. You, you motivate them the same like use the same tactics yeah yeah really for the most part you know sometimes I might you know have to dull down a couple little things you know that I might say to a guy and you know in private you, you know as opposed to a woman you got to deliver maybe the message a little bit differently but that's all depending on each kid and who they are you got and you got to know your players yeah no I coach them the same way I mean it's the same thing like hey this is what I expect of you you know you're going to do it and if you don't do it you know hey There'll be some consequences, but this is what I need out of you, and this is what I want out of you. You know, I mean, it's been successful. Like I said, you know, we won a championship at Northwest Florida. Yeah. Get something like that done over here and, you know, just keep winning. Yeah. Well, speaking of championships, the team only has two losses. Yeah. Are y'all already looking at opponents that you won't play in conference play, but you may play in 
uh, nationals? Like, are you scouting teams yet? See, see, I should have you on my staff as an assistant. I should. I, I can, can I afford you? You know, can I get a volunteer assistant spot? I, we'll, <laughs> we'll start negotiating after this. I, I need that. Yeah, I mean, actually, like now is the time. You're 100 percent right. Like where I should start looking at that. But like I said, since I'm I'm alone right now, just doing it with my volunteer assistant. You know, I don't really have time for that. So like I'm yeah. just trying to focus on these last four games, the last round of Panhandle play. But then to your point, yeah, you got to start looking at potential matchups, who you might be playing. You know, you go to the national poll, look at the top 20, see who you might come across and, you know, who might give you problems. But, yeah, that's something I'm going to be doing real soon. Yeah. How much are you looking forward to the next game against Chipola? That had to be a rough one to take because uh, uh, there were a lot of things going into that loss. <laughs> I still have nightmares. I mean, it's crazy. You know, you lose your best player, she tears her ACL. She only plays five minutes. You know, we end the game five on three. I have five players foul out. I've never had that in any game ever in my career. You know, I was talking to the, the head of officials the other day, and he said he's been, you know, head of officials for 16 years. He's never seen a game end five on three. Yeah. He said not even middle school. And, uh, you know, he told that to some of the officials, you know, that were on the game. And, you know, it was just crazy. The fact, to, to me, the fact that we didn't give up, we held our composure. It was five on three with three minutes to, with one minute to go, and it was a three-point game. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it was crazy. So, no, definitely uh, – we, we would like to get that one back, and we're hoping. I mean, obviously it would, it would help a lot more if we had Issy, but we know she's done for the year. But I think the girls are going to be highly motivated for that game when they come here to play us. For sure. And I think one thing about that game was it, it pointed on how skilled Aaliyah is playing three on five because you can basically double team everybody at that point, and she's still getting the ball past half court. That's yeah, that's impressive no. by itself. I mean, she put up a three, I think. Like I said, with the minute to go, I'm like, oh, my God, this thing goes, and we're going to be tied five on three. It would have been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. no, she's definitely skilled, you know, definitely. And, and her job is so hard. You know, we asked her to do a lot, and everybody knows, like, hey, now with this, yeah, they can really key in on her. Where when Issy was in, okay, you want to double Issy, you're going to leave her open, you want to leave Hayani open, you want to leave Murray open. What about Ariel? You're going to leave yeah. her open. You know, you got to pick your poison. So now they can key in a little bit more on us, but, you know, Aaliyah is definitely skilled and can handle it. She's been my starting point guard for two years. So, yeah. you know, she's definitely uh, – she knows what what comes with the territory playing here. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. You have Aaliyah and Ariel both coming back as sophomores. Alicia is a Richard freshman. Yep. Do you think they take on the leadership role that kind of takes the weight off your shoulders sometimes? They lead in their own way. I don't yeah. think it takes too much weight off my shoulders. You yeah. know, they do their own thing, and, and somebody's got to be the, uh, you know, Adult in the room, I think a little bit differently than they do. You know what I mean? But on the court, for sure, like just definitely leadership between Ariel, Aaliyah, and now Murray with Issy being out. Yeah. And, and even Hayani, uh, she doesn't speak much English, but she's been here. and She's been through it, and she knows what it takes. And she's a steady, calming influence on the team. Like, she's just steady. Yeah. So she's she's been really huge in that aspect, too. Well, I think that's one of the biggest things that differentiates you all from the men's team is the fact that, they have so much roster turnover. There's a lot of inconsistency in play there because they don't really know who's the best player, yeah. where to go to all the time. But you guys have players that are used to playing in this system. Do you think, you know, that's that leads to more success? Yeah, it definitely does at this level too because – and just junior college in general where if you're good, you know, you got turnover every year. Sometimes as much as literally – if you're lucky, half your team. But if yeah. not, you know, you usually got to replace more of your team because, you know, it's usually one and done. You know, you, for the most part. If, and if you have a kid there that's two for two years, like I got Nalia and Ariel, I got two starters for two years, that's great. Then I added Issy. No doubt she's probably the best big in the country, so she can just step in and fill. And then Murray, 
hasn't played, and neither has Hayani, but they were here with me a whole year, you know, while they were injured. So they know, you know, what to expect and how I coach. But you're 100% right. The, the turnover at Juco is so hard. And every year, it's year to year. And, you know, it's saying, like, who's going to step up? You know, you got to figure it out when you don't have, like, we know, hey, Ali is going to handle the ball. That's yeah. our point guard. You know, Ariel's going to rebound, pick up some garbage points. You leave her alone. She's going to expose you. Knew Issy was going to get her double-double. Yeah. Like that was easy. So, yeah, no, it changes every year. But, yeah, if you have those kids and keep them, yeah, it helps a ton. Well, obviously, basically after every game, there's a good number of scouts waiting to talk to yeah. your players. I'd imagine pretty much the whole starting five is going to be gone next year. Maybe Issy, I don't know how the injury impacts the she'll offers. Have, but she'll she, have to go. Yeah, She has she, to. She played 20 games, so she's got to yeah. go. Yeah. So for sure that's gone will be Aaliyah, Issy, Ariel, they're for sure gone. Alicia and Hayani, they they can come back, um, and I think that they will. Um, and if they come back, you know, hey, we're, we're going to have two of the best guards in the country again. Um, you know, and I just got a green trail and filling the pieces around them. And yeah. you know, on paper too, you got you know, forget you got Taryn back and Santi who's on the bench, so they can come back as well. So yeah. you got four coming back, and then you know you got to figure out you know who else yeah. is out there. And well, obviously with a limited staff, recruiting time. Yeah probably don't have as much time to find players like during the season I know. but are you like currently looking at a high school level or hey you I, know, people I, I pushed a recruit back today to, to do this podcast <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a call funny enough in Canada uh, about a half hour after this with a kid that I'm looking to replace uh, hopefully come in you know replace Aaliyah so yeah. you know, I'm gonna jump on a call you know I've started to do a little bit now's about the time you start picking it up a little bit but like I said, since I've been doing it by myself, I haven't had much time at all. And I got people still calling me, oh, take a look at this kid, take a look at that, that kid. I said, listen, I'm on my own. Unless I don't yeah. know the kid, they're like they're a no-brainer like starter for me. I, I, I'll figure it out after the season because I'm just focused on this yeah. right now. You know, and I just want to go as far as we can go with the team we got now and finish it, and then I'll just hit the recruiting trail hard and yeah. hopefully get an assistant coach at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think um, the team's success, like the last few years, is allowing you to kind of – ease off recruiting a little bit because there's players that want to come here now versus having to build it up because it is built up now. Like everyone knows Gulf Coast is a great Juco college. It's a great place to build your game, maybe go to D1. Do you think the success that you found here is allowing you to ease off, you know, recruiting a little bit? You know, I think the success speaks for itself, but then the hard part is, you know, you look down the road and you got Northwest Florida. Yeah. You got your pole down the other end of the road. And then you got Pensacola. So you got four teams in the top 25. Yeah. Right. And we're probably, for the most part, usually competing for most of the same kids. And, you know, that makes it difficult. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Northwest Florida's got a really nice arena. You know, they got a lot of nice things, you know. Chipotle's got some money over there, you know. Like, so everybody's got different things to sell. But, like, if you look at it from a basketball standpoint, yeah, people are going to be like, okay, they've been number one in the country two years in a row. You know, they win. His, his kids get, you know, Division One offers every single year. You know, they go to Division Ones. They're successful. We've sent kids to Houston, UCF, Marquette, Georgia Southern, Mercer, and Charlotte. You know, yeah. the list just goes on and on. Issy's going to either go probably to Maryland, Syracuse. You know, Ali will wind up in the Big 12 or the ACC. So, yeah. I mean, like, kids know that. It doesn't make me ease off the recruiting. Like, trust me, once the season's done, I'll be hitting the road as yeah. hard as I can and hitting the phone, seeing who I can get. I guess that I would have to point to your work ethic to find players like that. It, it, it's very interesting to me the amount of work that goes into recruiting at a JUCO level. Oh yeah, because like you know, I grew up playing like college basketball video games and all that, but that's like that's D one 
where you're recruiting at. <laughs> so like, you know, like you get like the five stars, yeah. you know, in, in the game. They want to go to your school. But there's a lot of players that want to go to D1, but they have to settle for JUCO. Yeah. And I think, you know, that has to like point to the work ethic, especially because you only have yourself, really. Yeah. You know, so I oh, mean, and you got some schools that have, you know, 15 scholarships. We only got 12. So that's the other part when it comes to recruiting. You can't really miss on kids. Like, think about it. If you've got 15 full rides, right, and one or two kids, ah, they're not so good. It's okay. You stash them at the end of the bench or they move on. You do it with 12, you miss on one or two kids, right? Yeah. You get an injury or two. Guess what? You're down to seven or eight kids, and you're going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. So you really got to have, you know, your eye. You really got to be focused. Say, okay, like, hey, these are the kids I really want. These would be, like, my other kids I can get. Like you said, diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Got to try and find a couple of those. Shake it up. Well, it's obviously working this year. Team, right, the teams, yeah. You might be the lucky charm. You know, you show up, we oh, win games. Yeah, I like for that. sure, yeah. But, you know, the two losses are coming against teams that you've already beaten. Yeah, it's true. You know, the, the referees, I hate to blame a ref for a loss, but to yeah. be honest, both of those games, calls were questionable. Oh, God. Yeah. So there is, you know, a universe that we are undefeated. Sometimes, um, sometimes I think about that universe, Ben. You know, yeah. you're 100% right. And, you know, the girls have brought that up to me, too. Like, the only two games we lost, like, the fouls were completely lopsided in both yeah. games. Like, one, I think, was 39-17 to 17, uh, from the free throw discrepancy, and the other one was, uh, I think, 39-29 or th- even more than that. I don't know, something like that. But, I mean, and, and, you know, hey, I guess they got the recipe out. You know, if you can get us down to five on three and the other team gets a good whistle and you got a good chance to beat us. Yeah, no, there is a universe where that happens. Sitting at number two in the country, you know, hey, you know, is it nice to be number one? Sure. But, you know, hopefully we can just finish there and just keep doing what, we, what we're doing at number two and just stay focused. And, yeah, like I said, I just want to complete this last round of conference. That's going to be yeah. the biggest thing, you know, because it's the third time you play everybody. Everybody knows everything you do. We call it the war round, you know. It's going to be a war. So every team. But, yeah, hopefully, you know, we start tomorrow. We go to Pensacola. Hopefully we can take care of that and load up for that Chipola game we were talking about. That would be a good rematch for sure. With with Issy out, that does change the complexion of the future of the season. But I I think you guys still have a really good chance at winning the whole thing. How much of an impact does her injury make on? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's – obviously it's a huge – you go from the coaching brain, you know, it, it's a huge impact. You're losing 18 points, 14 rebounds. You can't replace that. I mean, she's definitely – best big in the country so you feel like hey you got her you're feeling really good now it's like okay you go into coaching mode and you're like okay we don't have her now we got to make up you can't really make up the points but can we make up the rebounds that's the big thing to yeah. me. make that up you know and now other people can step up in other ways yeah but you know we're a different type of team now you know you got gabby's more of like a hybrid kid if she yeah. plays you know she's not a big banger under the basket anything like that so she gives us some more length and versatility taryn's a guard that can shoot the three santi sometimes you know not so much shoot but can get to the rim draw foul so now you almost become more guard-oriented, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just changes the complexion. Would I like to have a C? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, I mean, we could still make a run. There's no doubt about it, even losing her. It, it all depends on how much we rally around her. And I think we really did the last two games. You know, hopefully, like, we yeah. keep that going and keep the momentum riding. And we just know, hey, we're a new team. Like, Gabby stepped in last game and had a double-double. Yeah. She had 14 and 10. So, you know, hey, you don't lose much when that happens. You yeah. Know? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the whole team is uh, looking to – Produce without her. Yeah. I think they're coming together really well. So, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to Saturday. And I want to thank you for coming on today. And uh, good luck with the rest of the season. I love it. Yeah. I'm uh, the first guest yeah. on Ben the Media Guys podcast. First guest. It's the I'm, best. Are you yeah. coming Saturday? Oh, yeah. I'll oh, definitely yeah. be there. That's right. Of course. Got to be there. The yeah. lucky charm. Yeah. I, can't, I can't miss it. You know that. That's right. Pensacola, 2 o'clock, ready to go. Yes, sir. I want to thank all the listeners out there. I want you all to make sure to tune in next week for more Commodore Hoops.
Coach, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Ben. Yes, Appreciate sir. you.